0: Welcome to another episode of Ask Aces. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, along with Dr. Bob Heron of the Department of Agricultural and Biological Engineering in the College of Aces at the University of Illinois. So before we get into our topic of farm safety, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your role in Aces.
1: Well, my role is basically I am the Egg Safety and Health Program Leader for the, uh, for the college and department. And I oversee our extension program and, and egg safety and our academic program and in research that we do as well.
0: So this month's discussion is about farm safety, and I think you're the perfect person to be asking these questions about. And I read earlier, every year since 1944, the third week of September has been recognized as National Farm Safety and Health Week, and this year being September 16th through the 22nd. And harvest has already begun in many areas. I've been seeing a lot on social media, many pictures. And farm safety, obviously, is always a big topic of concern during this year. And as someone, as myself, I've been involved in production agriculture during the harvest season. And I know the anxiety and the worry sometimes that comes with this time of year. So during this time of year, we often learn more of accidents that are more normal occurring to those involved in farming. Is this one of the more dangerous time of years for farm workers?
1: As many might expect, it definitely is. The harvest period of about September through, uh, actually August through October, uh, is our highest accident time of the year in the state as far as injuries and deaths are concerned. Uh, About 45 to 50 percent of accidents occur during this three-month period of time. And um, because of the kinds of machinery, using a lot of machinery, we're operating on roadways. Uh, we are hauling and, and uh, storing and moving grain. Uh, all these things pose a significant number of, of hazards that um, that could cause serious injuries or deaths.
0: And what is the highest injury risk during harvest?
1: Well, there's there's probably well probably the highest is just uh, working around the equipment and getting entangled in equipment. Uh, we see a lot of times that you know farmers get uh, try to do some kind of maintenance work on the equipment while the machine's running, or they're doing, a, it's, it's plugged up for some reason, and they're trying to unplug it, and, um, or they're, um, you know, they're unloading grain into a grain auger, and so we're working around machines that have uh, very fast moving parts, you know, fi- uh, normal operating speeds, is about 540 revolutions per minute, or up to 1,000 in some cases, uh, for some equipment. And uh, it uh, doesn't, uh, if you get your clothing caught in it or you step, you know, get, get next to it or whatever, it easily uh, pulls you into the equipment. And uh, it involves a number of injuries uh, and a few deaths. It's Not our number one thing involving deaths, but entanglement and equipment, but it's one of our biggest types of injuries that we have. We also have a fair number of, of uh, injuries uh, with uh, two other areas. One is um, Children being extra riders on equipment and falling off and being run over uh, by a a machine or being backed over by a large machine because the operator doesn't see them. So uh, this is a a significant problem. And then um, another one is uh, roadway crashes on public roadways where we're moving our equipment uh, on the roadways.
0: And those are two things we'll get into a little bit later. One thing I want to talk about right now is when I was operating the Combine, always made sure everything was off before we even touched the cornhead or before we even did anything to it. And I always made sure my uncle was clear across the field before I even started it, just mm-hmm. to avoid anything, any risk or anything like that. So how can a farm machinery operator reduce the risk of entanglement in their machinery?
1: Well, one of the key things is to make sure to keep everything, all the guards on it need to be on the equipment uh, or Ag engineering standards and OSHA standards, all of them say the same thing. Basically, is that uh, all the new equipment made in the last twenty years or so, anywhere where we have what's called a nip point, where two revolving points come together, there should be a guard over it, unless it interferes with the normal function of the equipment. We don't put a, a mechanical guard over the front of the header of the combine because you couldn't combine, of course. But uh, but we are moving to guarding systems like and using sensors to sense uh, our newer equipment, and you're going to see more of this. Is that uh, uh, electronic sensors, or various kinds of sensors that would uh, sense whether someone's in the area, a danger area, of a, like the header mm-hmm. of a combine. So that's a guard, different type of guarding system. But basically, keeping the guards on. Uh, the other big pr- problem is, as I kind of mentioned, is that uh, not shutting the equipment off and doing maintenance repair work. It's often, it, usually why we, well, they leave it running because they've done it in the past and it takes a little less time, but you're mm-hmm. putting yourself, uh, or if you're allowing your employees to do it or others on the farm, uh, at significant risk of getting caught. Because, Something that's moving 540 revolutions per minute. Uh, if you happen to feel you, you won't be able to feel in time the the uh, your clothing starting to get grabbed or your limbs starting to grab and be able to move away from it. Uh, by the time you sense that uh, you're getting caught in the equipment, you'll already be into it about four to six feet, uh, and uh, it means means being wrapped around the power takeoff shaft that many times or pulled into an auger system uh, that much. Uh, before your mind even knows what's happening. And so that's why it's extremely dangerous to be uh, having someone in close proximity to uh, revolving components of farm equipment because of the speed in which things can happen and then the power of the equipment. Usually the engine is powered by a very significant engine, and it's just not going to shut off. It's going to continue to operate and pull you more and more into the machine.
0: The theme that I'm getting here is be aware of your surroundings at all times. Correct.
1: We have a, a, a lot of risk on farm, injury risk on farms. It, and it's very important to understand uh, the, the significance of those risks and understand the potential severity of the injuries that can occur, and particularly those things that can cause severe injury, and, and, and do those things that are necessary to reduce the risk mm-hmm. significantly so that you don't experience that kind of injury, which can be quite costly.
0: And one thing you mentioned earlier was children. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do we reduce the risk of injury to small children that are younger than maybe six years old?
1: They need to be closely supervised, for one thing. As anybody knows who has small kids, and if um, uh, they're going to, we know from research that uh, small children are attracted to some things like their uh, bright colors, noise, revolving components, uh, moving parts. And, you know, what is that? Uh, and large equipment. So that's the characteristics of most of our farm machinery. So what happens if they're not closely supervised and they're out in the yard ER or something and there's no barrier to even slow them down, uh, they're, they're likely to go out and, and start walking around where the augers are running, walk around where the machines are. Very young children like to hide. And so we've had access where the child's hiding behind a big tractor tire or, or combine, and the operator doesn't know it and backs over them or, or whatever. So it's very important to have them supervised. One, one thing that uh, through the National Children's Ag Safety Center in Marshfield, Wisconsin, uh, they uh, recommend that you have a, um, uh, a safe play area for children. And that means having a fence that's at least six feet high and that uh, – uh, that they know that that's a barrier, they should stay in that area and not go out of it unless an adult is with them. Now, we all know kids could climb over, many of them could climb over that kind of thing, but at least it would slow them down you know, and, and maybe help prevent an accident from happening or slow them down enough that someone will see that they're getting out in a danger area and stop them you know, before mm-hmm. they get, do get in a danger area.
0: So kind of on the other side of the fence, with this time of year being harvest, um, farmers also need more help than usual, um, relying on other people to help them out in the fields and transportation and things like that. So what age should a child be allowed to maybe operate a tractor?
1: Well, our research shows we've, we've studied this quite a bit. I mean, we, we work with child development specialists. This is at a national level. I've been, I have been involved in a national committee that looked at age-appropriate tasks for children, and one of the things we focused on was operating tractors and so we look at the mental processing capabilities of child in general and their physical size and that sort of thing and uh, we basically don't feel that any child under the age of 12 should operate a tractor for any reason. We know that a lot of children under 12 are but the the, the problem is while some may be big enough, many of them cannot uh, reach the pedals or Mm -hmm. or the controls on the tractor easily enough to operate safely. But even if they can do that, the other, the bigger problem is, is their mental processing capabilities. Uh, we don't develop our abilities to, to use, to do, use simultaneous motor skills, which means using your hands and arms and legs all at the same time. Well, there are so many situations where a tractor could get in a, a, a situation where they're going, like you turn too fast, too or too sharp, and it starts going down to a ditch or something. And the you got to you got to throttle it down. You got to push in on the clutch to stop power of the axles. You got to maybe uh, hit the hydraulic system to stop something uh, or to lift something off uh, out of the field. And uh, we don't develop that ability as human beings very well until we're around 14 or 15 years of age. So we just feel it's extremely dangerous to have a child under 12 operating tractors. Now when they get 12, 13, 14. If they've uh, uh, been trained and they, uh, they understand that they have the, you know, a the level of responsibility to, to, to maybe to operate a the tractor, then only do it on, at that age 12 to 14 on level ground, doing very simple operating pra- uh, tasks, not operating something with a power takeoff, that, uh, you know, that they can handle and start developing their skills. Then when they get to 14 to 15 years of age, they can start doing more advanced work with tractors, but we'd recommend that they They'll continue to be fully trained. Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor laws, you cannot have a child work outside the home, outside the, uh, where the, the parents uh, on doing any kind of farm work operating, as far as operating tractors. And there's other things as well, but tra- tractors are one of the big ones. Uh, and unless they've been trained and they're 14 or 15 years old, went through a 21-hour training program and got a certifi- certification, that they went, completed the training successfully, then they can be hired. Uh, but it, or even, I mean, don't have to be, it doesn't involve money, it can be just a relative or a neighbor. They cannot, they should not be hiring, having those children do that kind of work. They'd be a violation of child labor regulations if they do. And could normally you're not going to see inspectors running around, you know, inspecting farms, but it's a big liability mm-hmm. issue. It's a huge liability issue. That child gets hurt, it's, you know, that, mm-hmm. that farmer's not going to have any. Uh, Fall back with with their suit Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing. Plus, we don't want the child to get hurt. That's the biggest thing,
0: right? That's all the big thing. We're taking big precautions here. There's big risk associated with this, and we don't want anything to go wrong. That could have been prevented from the beginning, right?
1: That's that's correct. I mean, uh, the whole thing is looking how to reduce the risk to prevent people from getting hurt. uh, I might mention one other thing with children. It's also a good thing if you can, small children, is to have uh, make sure you have daycare. for them. I mean, I know it's, it's maybe difficult, challenging at best, but during harvest, if you, if you can keep them out of the workspace, that's very critical.
0: Okay, let's switch from the field to public roads. So a question that I have with all the farm machinery, um, they're traveling on public roads, especially during harvest season. How can farmers and then those that are driving behind regular cars, trucks, things like that, reduce the risk of collision?
1: first of all, farmers have a legal right to operate farm equipment on public roadways in almost in in every state, except on interstate highways, and they're not mm-hmm. allowed to be on there. But um, so they have the right, but farmers have the responsibility to uh, warn oncoming traffic. if they're using more than one lane of traffic, for one thing, they have to warn oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. And only, and if you we need at least a thousand feet of visibility for people to, to make a to to notice that there's a piece of farm equipment uh, in front of them or they're approaching it, and to take an reaction to avoid a collision. And uh, there's a lot of areas in our state where there's not a 1,000 feet of visibility on our or a hill, uh, maybe a little hill or curves, and we're not big hills here, but have some. Uh, and if that's the case where you're moving equipment, the only way I know to do it safely is I use an escort vehicle, particularly, ideally, at least in the back, but ideally front and back, flashing warning lights on to warn oncoming traffic. Because if you have your equipment, white equipment sticking out in the, in the opposite lane of traffic, uh, and you don't warn people, you're, you're gonna, one, you put the, the other uh, driving public at significant risk, and you would be highly liable for if that accident occurs. The other thing about moving equipment public roadways is to make sure you're visible. Uh, visibility is very important. You're, you're going to be moving at, you know, 10 to 20, 25 miles an hour. Driving mm-hmm. public's driving at 50 to 65 or greater sometimes, and that closure time is very fast. And somebody, a piece of farm equipment, moving at, at, uh, at, you know, 15 to 20 miles an hour and another vehicle coming at 55 to 60 miles an hour, the closure time for the other vehicle is less than four seconds. So you, you need to be able to make sure they see you. That means having a good SMV emblem. In Illinois, you're required to have an emblem that's visible for 1,000 feet uh, and uh, that should be on the, on the equipment. Uh, we also recommend that you have flashing warning lights on, uh, day or night. That enhances uh, recognition of the equipment and alert people that there's something different in front of them and, and recognize it's a slow-moving vehicle. We also recommend putting uh, retroflective tape on the outer extremities of the equipment so people can see how wide the equipment is. And also have, again, very important to have, a, if you have equipment that's wider than one lane of traffic, is have to have a flashing amber light on the far left at least, on both right and left would be good, but definitely far left uh, to so, so they can see how wide the equipment is, because much of the time that equipment's sticking out beyond the uh, tractor or whatever's pulling the equipment, particularly utilities equipment, and uh, the, the particularly oncoming traffic is them head on, they may see the lights on the tractor, but they won't necessarily see what's sticking out in their lane of traffic unless there's a flashing light on there. So that's very, very important mm-hmm. as well. So those are some of the key things as far as the driving public is concerned. They need to be recognized that when they're out in any time of the year, but definitely during harvest and planting season, there's a lot of farm equipment on our roadways and that they gotta be prepared to slow down and take adversity reaction and if they suddenly see a piece of farm equipment when they go uh, around a hill or over a cur- around a curve or over a hill. And uh, be prepared for that and then be slowly not driving at excessive high speeds.
0: Mm-hmm. So, sticking with the theme of transportation, now we're talking about um, as grain is being moved from field to storage, um, what are the major injury risk and how can that be effectively reduced?
1: Well, there's two major, prim- there's three major, I guess, primary types of injuries. One is getting tangled in the augers and to make sure the augers are well guarded and that, uh, uh, that has a, a, a guard that has no more than 10 inches of, uh, of openings or no longer 10 inches square. And uh, secondly, is to the, one of the biggest problems is entrapment in grain. Uh, and that happens three ways. Uh, when they're taking grain out of the bin and a person's in there when the grain's flowing out and they get trapped in it. Uh, second way would be that they go into grain and it's due to high moisture or whatever is caked up on the sides and they're gonna get their head below the level of the grain and it avalanches on top of them. And the third way is that sometimes grain, if it's put in at high moistures and not dried properly, it'll form a crust on top, a very hardened crust. And people will workers will walk have walked out on that crust and either forgot that somebody took a couple loads out and formed a cavity, or the grain settled enough and, and formed a cavity, and uh, and they fall they fall through that cavity and, and the grain avalanches in around engulfs them. And uh, so those it's important that one I what we recommend as uh, across the country is that. Uh, when you're going in a grain bin where there's more than four feet of grain that you wear a body harness and a, sa- and a, and a safety liner or, or a lander a safety lander uh, uh, that you are tied off uh, you have uh, that to prevent you from uh, if you happen to fall through the cavity or get part being pulled under flowing grain that'll keep you from being immer- immersed in the grain and, and drowning in the grain itself uh, we We often have anywhere from three to ten deaths a year in our state from this situation, and so it's very critical even though it takes a little time, but to follow the procedures. Now, it's sometimes hard to know how to tie off the, the lifeline, the little rope to, to protect mm-hmm. yourself, but we have information, a lot of information about grain safety on a website that, uh, called grainsafety.org that was developed by a coalition I helped form, and uh, it has a lot of information on, on that, plus many other issues related to safety and training resources and, mm-hmm. and just a variety of, of things.
0: All good tips that you're giving. This is, this is gold. This information is good. So now I want to move from the more of the physical side of things to more of the mental and emotional side of things. So harvest can bring a lot of physical, emotional, mental stress on farmers with the need to get their crops harvested and then working long hours and all things like that. What can farmers do to reduce stress during harvest time?
1: There's two types of kind of stress. There's mental stress and physical stress, okay? Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the physical stress first. We see a lot of farmers when harvest comes out, they get very anxious, I understand that, about getting the crops out. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, farmers in this state have adequate time to get the crops out. Uh, you don't need to get in such a hurry where you're working 14, 16, 18 hours a day. If you start doing that, your body takes a toll physically. All of us need at least six to eight hours of sleep. If we don't get that much sleep, we're going to be, we become physically tired and when we're physically tired, we're mentally not as alert as we normally would be. So when you're not mentally alert and you're out there working with equipment that has lots of moving parts or it it requires decisions that you make in operating equipment to prevent running over someone or turning equipment over or whatever it might be, uh, if we're not mentally alert to, to deal with those situations as well, of course being trained, but the mental alertness, even if you're trained and you're not mentally alert, that's not going to, it's, it's going to cause you many times to make a reaction that's going to result in injury. And so uh, it's important to get adequate sleep and it's important to take breaks. Uh, research shows us that um, uh, every, after every two to three hours of continuous work, a lot of farm work is kind of monotonous, and so uh, if we get kind of lulled into the work we're doing or even if we're working something that's fairly active, uh, after we get it enhances our physical tiredness, so we're taking a break for just ten or fifteen minutes, taking some kind of nourishment, milk, mm-hmm. cookies, whatever, then when we go back to work we're much more alert. Our uh, data on looking at time of day when accidents occur on farms, we'll see a uh, we see a big increase in accidents around mid to late morning and then again mid late afternoon and then close to the end into the evening. So we know that when uh, we if you take this break you dramatically decrease your your risk by increasing your mental alertness, so that's mm-hmm. important. And spouses can help with that, and mm-hmm. making sure that workers are taking breaks that are in the fields and so forth. The uh, the, the the mental stress. There's a lot of things, and you know, farmers get stressed by getting the crop out, they're worried about weather conditions, pricing that you know, they're dealing with, particularly this year, and uh, other issues, family issues with stress. And so, if you're under stress, uh, and, and to the point where it's 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 affecting your ability to concentrate then uh, you're putting yourself at risk where you could uh, make a mental mistake that you normally wouldn't do that could result in serious injuries. When we evaluate injuries that occur to people that have had 25, 30 years of experience, many times it's due to the fact that uh, they're just, they haven't had much sleep, but also maybe they, they are under loss of mental stress and they're not handling well and, and they make a mistake they normally would not do. Uh, so, we again, uh, we want to... Uh, Kind of these are said and done. I realize that, but it's important to compartmentalize these these kind of issues that, that are bothering you, and set this time aside, to, you know, during the day or week, to, to think about those and try to figure out what you can do about them. If there's anything you can do about some of them, and then um, and then, but focus on your work and see the importance of focusing on your work. Because I can tell you, if you have a serious accident, that's going to dramatically increase <laughs> your <laughs> your stress mm-hmm. because of cost of not being able to do work and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So. It's not. It's, it's important that we learn how to manage it. And certainly getting counseling is, is also important, too. I mean, as farmers are often reluctant to do that, very prideful people, but counseling uh, with a certified counselor can do a lot to help you kind of manage that stress when you have a lot of things coming mm-hmm. at you and you really don't know, know what to be doing. You
0: know? Right. Take care of yourself first, and then everything else will eventually come in line. The crops will eventually come out, and then knowing that you took care of yourself and that you were thinking of other people then you'll have a great harvest season.
1: One significant accident can wipe out the profits mm-hmm. from several harvest seasons sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, to take care of yourself and the others that are working around the farm so you don't put people at a necessary mm-hmm. risk.
0: So you mentioned earlier about farmers trying to get help during um, the harvest time with it being a very busy season. What are some things from a safety standpoint that farmers who employ people such as farmhands and things like that full or maybe even part-time just just during the harvest season what do they need to be aware of
1: well one is that you need to evaluate the person you're hiring and, and, and compare it to what you're going to have them do i mean are they physically capable to do the work safely do they are going to do a lot of climbing you know, if they've got back issues and arthritis issues significant issues that could affect their ability to climb safely so we ideally we need a, I mean i would highly recommend if you're going to have someone working very much to have a physical exam to see if they're physically capable to do the work, or at least look at their medical records, ask them to get permission to talk to their doctor to see if they've got any problems that would cause put them at significant risk because of their physical conditions. Uh, The other thing is that we need to train them properly. One of the biggest problems that farmers have is that they assume, they hire somebody who grew up on a farm, and they assume they know how to to do the work that they're having to do on a farm. Yes, they may know the basics, they may have some experience, but one of the things they do not know, they do not know, I mean, what your responsibility is as employer is that they need to understand how you, what you, ex, how you expect them to work safely, what you expect them to do, and to keep, to, to to protect themselves from getting hurt and the other people on the farm. They need to understand that very clearly. And really, some of the very more serious pro, uh, safety issues should really be said that you know I might give you a warning if I see you not doing it, but if I see you doing it more than once, or there's a couple few things that if you, I see you doing it, you're I'm not, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I, that's, that's being kind of tough, but but I can tell you, there's a lot of cases where you know, people were very lax with their employees and uh, didn't train them properly, didn't supervise them properly, and uh, they made mistakes that uh, cost that farm. Cost them, they lost their farm because of the liability that they incurred. So it's important to have them trained. Important to supervise them adequately uh, and uh, check on them and make sure they know what they're doing. Uh, and then. Uh, uh, so and document that training so you can have some proof that you did train them in the first place, assuming they know what they're doing you don't want to do that, because if there's ever an accident that's not going to be worth anything in, in front of a jury, so you have to, uh, and I know this from experience in reading case files pharmax and pharmax you, you have to show that you have to make an effort to train them and provide them appropriate personal protective equipment if they need to be wearing it whether it's a respirator, or a lifeline going in a grain bin, whatever that might be that needs to be done and uh, so that they are uh, protected in a way it's recognized across our industry. So.
0: so, my final question, kind of maybe to summarize everything that we've talked about, are there ways that farmers can effectively manage their safety risk?
1: Right. There's several components to being effective safety managers. Number one, you need to understand the risk. You need to understand and prioritize that risk. You need to understand what risk that you have on your farm that could cause serious injury or death. Those risks need to be looked at very closely. What you can do to bring down the, the, the risk that something would happen to someone. That may mean adding guards, that may make sure people are well trained to do that at operation. They may mean uh, uh, providing personal teddy equipment to people if they need to do certain activities. Uh, so you need to understand the risk and then and work on the ones that are most serious first. You can't often do everything at once. And make sure you are, that people are being, farm work is seasonal. So training uh, often. Maybe you need to do an overview of a new employee, or every year once with everyone, but then as they move from season to season, you go over the safety things, issues related to that season and and, and make sure you understand that. If you have an accident, you need to make sure you understand what happened and why, for lots of reasons, but you need to understand so you can prevent it from happening the first time. The other thing you need to make sure you document your training, document that uh, you have a policy about what you think about how safe you want your people on the farm to be, uh, and uh, that the, they know what that policy is. They understand that your attitude about this is very critical, that the manager of the farm highly values safety and he expects the farm workers to work safely. Mm-hmm. That's a very critical thing for managing risks safely because if they don't sit, think you think much of it and they see you violating all the safety things you told them to do, then you're not having much impact mm-hmm. on your employees or the, or the risk that they put themselves at. So we um, uh, and understand if you, what laws you, are, you must comply with. Now, if you employ people, uh, one of the misnomers is that so if you have less than ten employees, your, the OSHA regulations don't apply to you. And only the OSHA regulations—all it means is that the, if if you have less than ten employees, you are under the OSHA regulations. It just means that OSHA cannot use their federal funds to come out and do inspections of your farm, so you won't be inspected. So it's not that it, it weakens the teeth of the, of, the, of the standard, but you still are legally under it. So if and so, one of the biggest issue is liability. So that if you a worker gets hurt and that uh, you're violating uh, an OSHA safety regulation, it's going to be held up in court as, li- as, a, as a, you know, you're liable because you violated a, a regulation or safe, it was considered a safe work procedure. Uh, the, um, and so that's critical. And that also with the child labor laws. You hire someone under 16, you need to be familiar with the child labor laws saying what you can allow them to do and what you can, they can't do uh, on, on the farm. And that's, that's also very critical. And any other regulations, you know, roadway regulations and all that sort of thing. Um, So anyway, so those things, understand training, regulations, prioritize risk, uh, and having a policy. Those are the key factors Mm -hmm. to a good safety safety management program.
0: This is all great information, I hope people are pressing pause and replaying it as we're going along, because this is all very good information to keep in mind during the harvest season, but also throughout the entire year, even when planting season comes and things like that. It's all good information that they should um, be friendly, reminded about throughout the year. So do you have anything else that you'd like well, to add?
1: Just, you know, look, you know, a lot of people, you know, farmers, you know they're concerned about raising their crops and putting in good resources and managing their crops properly, But and those are all very important aspects of farming. But I, I contend that the most important resource you have on the farm is the people that work on that farm and, and live on that farm, and that you need to really pay close attention to how you do mm-hmm. to, to minimize that risk because if you ever – ever ever experience a serious accident or death on your farm. It'll affect the family and that farm for decades.
0: Well, thank you to Dr. Bob Heron of the Department of Agricultural and Biological Engineering, or ABE, as we call it here in the College of ACES, for joining me on this Ask ACES podcast. Um, again, I'm Kelsey Litchfield, and we all wish you a safe and successful harvest season.